once more and more satellites and constellations are launched, and that's uh, a trend that's going to be really coming to fruition in the next uh, few years, uh, you'll see an explosion of uh, of data and and the, the the need to access it easily, and a reseller just can't provide that. Accessing data sent back from space this week on Specscast. Welcome to Specscast, a podcast about the science and technology of space exploration. On today's episode. We bring to you a conversation we had with Dexter Jagula, the co-founder and chief operating officer of Skywatch API. Skywatch aggregates Earth imaging data. There are many satellites in orbit right now taking images of the Earth, but obtaining them from all these different places could be difficult. And that's the problem Skywatch is trying to solve. My name is Phil, and my co-host TJ and I called Dexter earlier this month. Hello, Dexter speaking. Hello. Hi, Dexter. Hey, Phil. Hey, TJ. So um, can you describe um, your current position at Skywatch and uh, a little bit about the company? Sure. Uh, so my current official title is uh, Chief Operating Officer. Uh, but being a startup, uh, you often have to wear many hats. And, uh, and just like that, I wear many different hats, uh, from development to uh, customer development, uh, uh, programmer, um, business analyst, uh, re- data researcher, uh, and everything in between. Um, so the uh, the company's been around since uh, 2014. Uh, we were founded after uh, we won the 2014 uh, International NASA Space Apps Challenge. Um, for, uh, for and the category we won in was uh, a best use of data. And uh, since then, we've uh, turned this into uh, a full-time business, and and here we are. Great. So can you explain um, a little bit about what Skywatch is and what it does? Sure. Uh, so Skywatch is a company that uh, focuses on aggregating and providing API access to satellite data. Um, this would be... Uh, and this would be interest of companies that are in, uh, that would be into uh, you know monitoring crops, uh, pipelines, tracking ships and airplanes, um, developing market intelligence and business intelligence uh, um, using this type of data. We uh, worked on developing uh, a solution for astrophysicists and astronomers to get access to data coming from space observatories in the past. And since then, I've used that same technical uh, know-how to apply it to Earth observation and remote sensing data from satellites. Where is Skywatch now in terms of development? You are a startup, and you did say you won the, the NASA Space, Act, Space Apps Challenge. Um, but where were you then, and how far have you come until now? So when we won the, uh, the NASA Space Apps Challenge, uh, we were mostly focused on a scientific product uh, for astronomers and astrophysicists. Um, that are studying transient uh, astronomy. Uh, so these are fast-moving objects and events in our in our universe, um, and that what that's what helped us cut our teeth on working with uh, advanced and complex data sets. Uh, so since then, we've now turned our sights uh, inward uh, and now focusing on satellites that are uh, observing the Earth uh, that are producing data in 
a number of different wavelengths uh, to address a number of different applications and, and use cases. Uh, so right now, um, we've just released our, our uh, API, our application programming interface, uh, about a few weeks ago, and we have uh, a number of uh, pr uh, private beta testers at the moment, including uh, some, some students at RIT, uh, using and testing out the software um, and, uh, and accessing the data uh, with um, over 500 people on the waitlist at the moment. Uh, so what we currently offer is uh, uh, is free and public data. Uh, so this is data from the likes of NASA and NOAA, um, and uh, we we have a a long laundry list of uh, data sets that we hope to ingest uh, shortly, uh, both from the public side but also commercial data sets. Uh, so this this would be uh, very high resolution data uh, coming from some of the world's uh, leading uh, satellite operators around the world. So when you speak about data from Earth observation, what kinds of data are you referring to? Uh, so it could be, so when I refer to data, it's in a general sense. Uh, so it could be one of two things, either measurement data, uh, in the case of if you're measuring trace gases or, or, uh, or you know, pollutants in the, in the atmosphere, uh, or it could be uh, imagery data. Um, so this is, uh, I mean, if you're, talking, if you're looking at uh, free imagery, uh, such as uh, Landsat uh, or Sentinel, uh, this would be 15 to meter, 15 to 30 uh, meter resolution imagery uh, of the world uh, captured every couple of weeks or so. Uh, and commercial on the commercial side, uh, typically you're looking at sub-meter uh, resolutions, uh, especially for the uh, for the really prominent uh, satellite operators. So it's a mix between the two. So both. Uh, imagery data as well as uh, measurement data. To talk about your involvement in Skywatch and, and the space community, is this something you expected to do? Um, like, did you ever see yourself working with NASA or um, delivering uh, a product to the people that are working in the space industry? Um, well, uh, yes and no. So deep down inside, growing up, uh, as I'm sure most uh, most people involved in the in the space sector, dreamt of being an astronaut, uh, and that was that was my focus for the longest time. Um, but for one reason or another, I ended up uh, getting involved in software development. So I have uh, my undergraduate degree in uh, software engineering, uh, and that's sort of what I fell in love with is uh, software engineering. And uh, I followed uh, my undergraduate degree with a degree from the International Space University in uh, space studies, and that really exposed me to um, the space industry as a whole, but really focusing on the software uh, as the, the software. Uh, um, the software fact of uh, all the problems that currently exist. Um, and uh, when the opportunity sort of presented itself with winning the, the, the Space Labs Challenge and turning this into a business, it was really bridging the, my two passions, space and software. Uh, and I know, and it, I feel really fortunate because it's not every day that that can happen for everyone. And I'm, I'm really fortunate to, to have that happen for me. And I'm really uh, taking, uh, taking full advantage of it. I'd like to get into some more technical details about how Skywatch works. Is that okay? Sure, yeah. Um, so Skywatch is an API that takes the data from all these different spacecraft orbiting the Earth and provides it to um, the users in a more easily accessible way. Uh, but how do you actually go about 
getting the data from these satellites? So what goes into um, compiling all these data sets? That's a great question. Uh, and to be honest, it's not easy, and that's why uh, we're doing what, we, what we're doing. Um, so a lot of it depends on uh, so each individual satellite operator um, and, and uh, sometimes the instrument on a specific satellite uh, also uh, store their data once it hits the ground station uh, very differently. Um, so uh, even if you're talking about the, the, the Terra satellite, for example, that's uh, run by NASA and NOAA, uh, they have multiple instruments on board there, uh, and each instrument seems to they seem to store their data very differently. That poses a challenge for anyone wanting to access that data, uh, but especially for us because we want to create a uniform uh, experience for our our customers and our users. Um, so the way uh, so some examples of the way data is currently stored. Um, uh, I mean, traditional FTP, uh, which is which seems pretty archaic. Uh, some of the uh, some of the more advanced uh, satellites are, are storing data on uh, S3 buckets on AWS, uh, which is great for us because it really helps us to to get uh, get get at that data very easily. Um, and then some even more advanced have their own APIs as well. And basically, what we do is create a wrapper around those APIs and 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 then uh, make it available through through our own APIs. So essentially. Anyone can access any kind of satellite data just through a singular API. So it's almost like a universal satellite uh, uh, data, sorry, a satellite a- API for, for that data. Um, and uh, in some cases, the, the data is just so poorly stored on wherever it, it, it is uh, sitting that we have to actually scrape the data and store it internally on our systems. Uh, to make it uh, that much more accessible to those who are who are using it, so it's a it's a very wide spectrum of exactly how we access the data. Um, but those are some examples of how uh, of the the challenges we go through to to make all that data easily accessible through our API. Sounds great. Uh, could you walk us through how before Skywatch, a researcher who was trying to access a specific satellite's data or uh, spe- space-related data of a specific area, what their workflow would be like before Skywatch, and then what it is now with with using the Skywatch API and what you guys want to accomplish in the future when you have all the features in, how those are different. Uh, so uh, right now and, and before um, uh, before well, before our service, uh, basically if you wanted uh, a, a satellite data, for instance, so if you're talking about uh, public data, so like a, a pub, like a publicly funded research uh, organization like NASA, for example, runs a satellite, and you want to get access to their data. Um, you would first need to figure out um, where that data resides. Once you figure out where that data resides, you would then have to uh, determine um, how you can map to that data, um, and each source is different. So if you're if you're talking about multiple sources, uh, this is uh, something that could take months. Uh, months at a time to try and figure out. Uh, I mean, ideally, what you want to be able to do is come up with an abstract uh, in a very general way that you can map to this data and and access it. Uh, but because, as I mentioned previously, each of some, in some cases, each of these instruments are stored in a very different way. You then have to almost create a customized solution in which you would then have to uh, try and access that data. So that's that. I mean, that's how how a researcher would access it currently. Uh, now, for commercial data sets, 
Um, so if someone was interested in that, um, the first thing you would have to do is figure out how to get a hold of, say, someone from Digital Globe or Airbus. Uh, they do have local resellers, but you would have to know where or who that local reseller is. And, you know, you basically call them up over the phone or send them an email and say, I'm interested in this data set and then, uh, or this, this imagery. And then it would be basically a back and forth trying to isolate exactly what you're looking for. And then, uh, and then once you, once you figure out exactly what that, what that product is, then there's another back and forth to negotiate on pricing. Uh, so all of that's really cumbersome and that takes, uh, that takes at least one or two weeks uh, on its own. Uh, and that's just commercial data sets. So, uh, I mean, there's about uh, a dozen commercial operators right now. So that's, uh, you know, that many interactions, individual interactions you need to have with that many people. And so what we allow, uh, what we allow our, our customers and users to do is easily have that, that happen through our API uh, without having the headache of, of, you know, having to pick up the phone as, as, uh, as, as uh, menial as that seems. So for, for people like me, um, I'm an engineer like with hardware stuff. Um, I don't know that much about hooking up to an API. Uh, can you explain the process for a Skywatch user to interface with Skywatch and, and pull the data from your service? Sure. Uh, so the, the first thing that, uh, that would need to happen is that you would need to request an API key. Uh, and what an API key is, it allows you to basically interact with our API. It's sort of like an authentication that we use to make sure only authorized users are using our, our API. Uh, once you have that API key, then you can, you have uh, essentially full access to everything, all the data that uh, that's available on the Skywatch API. Uh, the next thing that happens is that basically you need to figure out what kind of data you would like. Uh, usually it's, uh, once, you, once you decide to interact with the API, you usually have an idea of, which parts of the planet you're interested in. So that could be a singular point, so, uh, you know, a latitude and longitude, uh, or it could be um, uh, an area. So uh, it could be either a square area or a regular shape, uh, like, a, uh, like a polygon or something like that. We would use these points, uh, uh, the latitude and longitude of the, essentially what your area of interest is, to then interact with the API, and, and basically, once you interact with the API, it'll give you, it will return you results of only uh, data that meets, meets those criteria. Now, there's other criteria as well. So, if you're looking for, um, you know, you're searching for, um, let's say, imagery for Rochester on a certain given uh, on a given date and time, you can enter those parameters in into the API as well, and and all the results that will be returned will meet meet that criteria. Furthermore, there's also additional uh, optional uh, parameters such as cloud cover. So, in the case if you're interacting, if you're only interested in uh, in in imagery, for example, you obviously wouldn't want uh, an image that's covered in clouds because you can't really see anything. Defeats the purpose. So, you can set uh, a cloud cover parameter. Say, I'm only interested in in images where the cloud cover is under 10%, or if you want a completely clear day, say cloud cover is 0%. Um, the same thing can be done with the resolution. So if you're interested in just a, a, a very general high level or a, a, a sorry, low resolution, you could enter in, okay, I'm just interested in, in the maximum resolution would be 20, 
meters or 30 meters. But if you want really fine resolution, you would say, okay, I'm, I, I'd want a resolution of a maximum of one meter. So that gives you basically some meter resolution. Um, and then you have other parameters such as uh, the wavelength of the band. So if you're if you're studying um, um, agriculture, for example, you'd be interested in the uh, red, green, and near infrared because that will tell you the health of your crops. Um, if you're studying um, the oceans or the coastal lines, you'd be interested in a coastal aerosol um, uh, band. Uh, and these are all uh, uh, wavelength measurements uh, that are pre-calculated, and, and we allow for easy access by just specifying the name, so you don't have to actually memorize which uh, what the wavelengths are. Um, and those are some of the uh, the parameters that allow you to interact with the with the API. But basically, the two mandatory ones are the time and location. Uh, and location is given by the latitude and longitude, and and time would be either a time range, uh, time or date range. Um, or just a single point in time, which would give you the previous 24 hours. Um, and that's basically it. And it's super simple to work with. Uh, once you sign up uh, for uh, for an API key, we would essentially give you uh, thorough documentation, along with examples and exactly how to use it. Uh, so example calls, calls to the API, as well as uh, what are some example results uh, that you should be receiving, uh, just so you can compare what you're currently receiving, and then if there's any issues, uh, we have a, a, a you have uh, the entire team at your disposal to help troubleshoot the issue. Awesome! Thanks for that explanation. Yeah. So no compared to previous ways of discovering data, there's there's obviously a big push with Skywatch of being able to put in any location, any range of locations, and a time, and get data back. Is discovery a big focus for you guys of letting researchers or groups who want to use satellite data discover data sets that they didn't know they had of that target location? Uh, and what ways is this better or more efficient than the way researchers have been working for the past decades? I think uh, discovery is a big part of it um, uh, uh, because, like I said, it's, it's very challenging to interact and get access to some of these data sets. And we just provide it uh, so seamlessly and, and easily that I think it's, it's almost a no-brainer. The other, the other part of that is uh, you now have access to commercial data sets, where in the past, commercial data sets are, isn't exactly easily accessible, especially through an API. Um, like, you, it, as, a, as a regular consumer or user, you would not have the ability to interact with, say, uh, a Digital Globe's API directly. You would have to go through uh, a designated reseller. And that poses obviously a problem uh, because if you wanted to programmatically access imagery and, and have some kind of machine learning script or, um, a, or image analysis utility running on the image, you can't just, you know, have a, a download. You could download an image and then send it through the pipeline, but it's, it's obviously cumbersome and you much rather have, it, have access to that image programmatically and allows you for, for you that flexibility of access. Now, uh, right now you have, I think, six publicly available satellite data sets, correct? Yes, that's right. Uh, do you guys plan on getting more public data, or are you more focused on getting more commercial partners on board? And uh, right now it's you know pulling those, those data sets from the, those FTP servers and the hard-to-find places uh, and presenting those easily to the user. Do you see Skywatch doing any kind of data processing in the future, or is your relationship strictly between you know getting just increasing access of that data. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so, in, so to answer your first question, we have a, a very, very long laundry list of uh, uh, sources that we want to have, uh, that we'd like to ingest and have available through the API, uh, both public and the commercial data sets. Uh, I mean, uh, public, there's uh, a ton of satellite data out there um, that, that we've identified and that we'd like to have available. Um, and the, the problem is that we're just a small team, so it's a matter of prioritizing uh, what we bring on first. And that's the same with uh, the commercial the commercial data as well. Uh, we have uh, we have we've had really good discussions with a number of commercial uh, partners, and it's just it's just a matter of now how do we bring that data um, that that data on our API. And just a matter of time, and again, it comes back to uh, creating a priority list. And and for the most part, our priority list is is really dictated by the users themselves. Um, so if we have, uh, so as I mentioned previously, we have uh, roughly about 80, 80 users using our API at the moment. And if if any, you know, a group of them say that okay, we'd really like this 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 type of data, and we're able to validate that it is useful and, and so forth. And I mean, we'll put that at the top of the list, uh, whether it be commercial or private. Uh, so a lot of it uh, is dictated by uh, how or what our users uh, demand or what they'd like to see. Um, and uh, and that's how we sort of go, gone about uh, prioritizing things. It's really seems there's two kind of paradigms with data sources. You have commercial data sources that you have to go through a reseller, and obviously there's a financial cost there. And then you have publicly uh, available data sources. Uh, but the main issue, as you described, is you know getting that that access. When you're talking with commercial providers, uh, do you get a lot of enthusiasm? Like, yes, we'd love for more people to you know access this data, obviously to pay for it. Uh, or are they more conser- conservative? Or are they kind of enjoying the current model of having resellers and that kind of brokerage model? The uh, I, I mean, just the, the short answer would be yes, they're super enthusiastic. The reason being is because the, the reseller model isn't very scalable. Uh, and that's the, that's, I mean, for the way the economics fit uh, right now, it's fine um, because you have local resellers that address the local market. But um, once the the uh, once more and more satellites and constellations are launched, and that's a trend that's going to be uh, really coming to fruition in the next uh, few years, uh, you'll see an explosion of uh, of data and and the, the the need to access it easily. And a reseller just can't provide that. It's just not a scalable solution. So they're very enthusiastic to have us uh, have us work with them. Uh, to increase the uh, usage and, and distribution of, of their data. Uh, so you talked about uh, starting out at the NASA Space Apps Challenge. Uh, do you talk with NASA uh, since then, over the past two years? Obviously, you've worked with NASA and NOAA datasets. Are they, those researchers uh, and those agencies, enthusiastic about this platform as well? Definitely, yeah. We were, we're uh, frequently in contact with uh, NASA, especially... Uh, after winning the the competition, we actually hosted the the NASA Space Apps Challenge here in Waterloo uh, last year. Um, so it's almost uh, everything's coming full circle, so to speak. Um, but we have a, a very good rapport with uh, with NASA and have a const- uh, have an open communication line with them. So uh, you know, if if there are data sets that uh, for some reason, we can't find. They're helpless to point. They're they're more than happy to point us in the right direction and help us out there. 
Um, yeah, so I mean, I think the the relationship's been great, and and uh, I mean, we yeah, we definitely work a lot with them, and uh, as as you uh, mentioned, uh, some of the data sets that we provide are, are thanks to NASA. So um, obviously, there's a lot of data out there for Earth observation, but there's also a lot of spacecraft that observe uh, the moon, the Mars, or the moon, Mars, and the night sky. And those are all, you know, maps of things we can observe. Um, is the Skywatch API kind of um, scalable to those things as well? Like Google Earth, you can already look at a map of the moon. Um, is there maybe a market there or are there, is there potential for um, allowing access to more data sets than just Earth imaging? Definitely. Um, so the the API itself is robust enough to handle uh, that wide variety of data. So, um, you know, whether it be the Martian surface or the lunar surface um, or even just the, the sky in general. As I mentioned, we previously worked with that type of data and we still have uh, that application. It's called Supernova. Um, it's a Skywatch application and it's still alive and kicking and it's currently being used uh, in over 70 research organizations and institutions around the world. And, and that's basically tapping into a network of uh, 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 space observatories orbiting the Earth and capturing these uh, real-time uh, transient alerts, as they're called, um, and, and, and uh, making them available easily for these researchers uh, to access through a unique uh, user interface. Um, so our plan eventually is to open-source that and that could essentially be used because there is an API underlying that as well, and that could be extendable to um, to you know uh, have these other these other types of data sets available through it. Um, the we can also use the current Skywatch API to do the same thing. However, um, with the Skywatch API, it's supposed to be more uh, more Earth centric uh, or Earth focused, um, especially because it's it's supposed to be a commercial product. Um, and uh, I don't know, um, or we don't have a good sense that uh, the other types of data that, or the other types of data that you mentioned, would be a uh, commercially viable uh, product uh, on an open market, for example. Uh, perhaps once once we uh, uh, eventually start colonizing other planets and other worlds, that certainly could could be a, a viable option, but uh, not uh, in the present. Uh, so. You mentioned that most of your like commercial partners like Airbus and organizations like that, they have traditional large Earth observation satellites. Um, have you looked into CubeSat partnerships? I know a couple of companies are doing CubeSat swarms for Earth observation. Do you see that as a really great growth opportunity? And does Skywatch support those uh, like lower resolution but much more bountiful data sets? Uh, definitely, 100%. Um, we've had conversations with a few different uh, uh, teams and companies uh, along those lines uh, because what we, uh, the, the the partnership would essentially be beneficial uh, on both sides. Uh, what we would help uh, these smaller outfits to do is, is increase distribution of their data because at the end of the day, their their data is basically what, what their bread and butter, uh, I mean, where the revenue is essentially generated. And if we can provide a, a, a very uh, useful uh, channel through which that can be distributed, then great. And then for us, it just helps us 
feature that many data sets. And because we have uh, users and, and customers that are ready to go that could be interested in this data set or might not in the past been exposed to it, then that's what we, that's what we could allow. Uh, so it's really, uh, it's, it's really beneficial on, on both fronts. So for commercial data sets involving Skywatch and some other um, you know, third-party provider, if there's a transaction of money there, how, how does Skywatch fit into that? Like, would you um, like pay a subscription to Skywatch and then you could buy data sets from the third party? I'm just curious. Uh, yeah, so the way it would work is that you would essentially pay for access to the Skywatch API, and then you would be allotted. Um, we're not sure on the exact pricing model yet, but uh, presumably you'd be you'd be allotted X number of terabytes per month or X number of hits uh, to the API for commercial imagery per month or something along those lines. Um, and then with the with the vendor, we or sorry, with the operator or the vendor, uh, as we call them, we would uh, iron out an agreement uh, saying that uh, we, you, you know, you would get obviously the bulk of the, the share of any commercial data that's uh, sold through our API. And then we would uh, we would take, uh, say, a, a 10 to 30 percent cut of whatever that total amount is. So in the future, do you see people shopping for data? Um, I think it's, it's feasible. I, I, I mean... The one thing that we're uh, cognizant of is that uh, the commoditization of the data itself that's going to be happening. And what I mean by that is, uh, uh, so what's happening right now uh, is that people are interested in, in single images or, um, you know, interested in very uh, a very micro scale. If, if you're looking at a column of air, for example, gluten's there. Um, but I think what's going what's, what's starting to happen is that there are a lot of analytics companies uh, that employ machine learning, uh, a lot of big data companies that are interested in crunching as much data as possible. And they use and they rely on a number of different streams through which they get data to then correlate to some kind of uh, hypothesis. So um, it could be something developing like developing market intelligence, like using uh, forecasting and weather and uh, uh, I don't know, like, uh, the amount of sunlight that's hitting groups that would be of interest to a solar panel company. And what would be interesting there is being able to get access to data on mass. So what the end product is actually the information behind the data rather than the data itself, uh, if that makes sense. So we're right now uh, it's sort of situated in a way that we can serve both types of customers, uh, but we're most mostly interested in those that really have these information products um, that would be of, uh, of real interest in uh, a real business case for uh, a lot of uh, these uh, terrestrial applications that in some cases may not seem, may not be directly correlated. Um, the one example I can think of uh, that it's, I think it was written about um, a few months ago or last year uh, was, a, was a hedge fund uh, in the U.S. that uh, uh, basically counted cars in Walmart parking lots to then correlate that correlate that with uh, with the the, the earnings uh, for the following quarter and they and they used this the satellite imagery to do just that and that was just obviously one set that wasn't used exclusively uh, you know one set of data amongst others to then more accurately predict that and that's just it's just an example of how 
you can use this type of data in a very uh, indirect way to then predict something something of value. And that's where we see satellite data being used moving forward. So let me ask you uh, about like any personal stories that you think would be cool to share. Have you experienced any close calls or unexpected you know, realizations or um, just kind of lucky opportunities that have arisen from building Skywatch? For the, for the last two years that we've, we've been around, um, we've certainly had challenges in which um, uh, we weren't really sure if we we're going the right direction. Uh, for instance, uh, when we were dealing with uh, with scientific data, so astrophysical and astronomy data, um, we thought that was going to be the business, and we sort of, you know, uh, not re- necessarily uh, put all our eggs in one basket, but we sort of hedged our bets and said, okay, this is the way to go, and and we realized that it. I mean, it's great that you're able to provide this, but uh, I mean, research and academics typically aren't. Uh, so aren't the type that to pay for a solution like that, uh, just because they're largely constrained by budgets and, and, and reliance on grant money. Uh, and that sort of forced our hand to then, you know, switch our focus to Earth observation data, which has, you know, a number of terrestrial applications uh, that, that are worth a lot of money. Um, I mean, things like that, uh, you know, working with new data sets is always uh, uh, an unwelcome surprise because it's not, um, very apparent how to work with uh, each of these data sets. So we're always learning something new uh, on working with certain data sets. Um, uh, new file types is also another adventure. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's always a, it's a, always a, it's a learning experience, uh, but uh, it's one that uh, I don't think we'd, we'd have any other way if we could do it again. So your AP, your company has been around for, Two years. How long has the API been available? Like version one or point one? Uh, we're on point three or sorry, point four right now, and it's been around since uh, I would say. So I mean, just over uh, almost two months, I guess. Um, yeah, so not not too long, um, but we hope to have a fully stable version available. Uh, which will actually include a graphical user interface where you can actually visually um, search for the data as well for those that aren't comfortable working with a command line, for instance. So um, you guys have been, the API has been available for two months. Has the people who have keys, have there been any really cool, intriguing applications yet? Or is it pretty much everyone's kind of head down and focused? Good question. Um, yeah, we've we've... We've seen some interesting things with agriculture. Um, a lot of uh, either research groups and or uh, companies that have used the, the data to, to I guess, um, try and correlate with uh, agricultural yields. I'm not sure their success rate yet. Uh, we're still having discovery conversations with them, and it's still fairly early. Um, we've had uh, users that are interested in, in detecting anomalies, uh, so uh, like changing patterns uh, using image analysis uh, for particular areas, and you know, trying to correlate that with with news events. We've seen some of that. Um, we've seen uh, a research project using R, so uh, crunching a lot of the data. Um, again, another thing for for agriculture. Um, so a few things like that. Um, we're still having those conversations, uh, but a lot of it, uh, you know, it takes some time because. Uh, people are still trying to play with it and, and 
get comfortable and get their feet wet. So we'll get there, but uh, some cool things uh, that people are working on and, and, uh, and, and some really interesting applications. And I'm sure we're going to be surprised by some of the ways that uh, we foresee uh, this type of data being used, as, especially as we add more data sets. Very interesting. So your your guys and your API is kind of at the beginning of a development and beginning of kind of gaining steam. At what point do you see Skywatch being successful? Where you know when you have X number of users or that killer application, and you'd be like, well, you know, we've got to keep developing this, but like we've made this and we think we're very happy about it. I think uh, very soon, one of the things that we're doing internally here is actually expanding our team uh, because, I mean, right now, uh, we're still fairly small, only four of us uh, basically working to the bone, and there's only so, there's only so much work we can, we can do in a, in a limited amount of time, so we need to increase our throughput um, by adding new data sources and so on and so forth, and you know, we can do that is by expanding our team. Uh, so that's one of the things we want to do. And once we expand that team, uh, probably starting in January, that's when we can we can really start uh, making strides. Um, and so I would say probably by the spring next year or uh, or or the summer, uh, we probably have like a really substantial product uh, that we we foresee being uh, really in demand and and really have a significant following. Um, and, uh, uh, yeah, uh, a user base that's really enthusiastic about what we're doing and, and really building some cool things. Um, do you think there's going to be a point where you, you reach with Skywatch where you're like, okay, we're done? Or do you think that, um, or will you add, continue to add features based on how people are using it and continue to adapt to the market? I don't think we'll ever end. we'll get to a point where we think we're done. Uh, and I think you you hit, you 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 made the the right point there. We're always going to be continuing continue to adapt and and uh, you know uh, of our users uh, and customers uh, alike. And there's there I'm sure there's always going to be something that they they do want or they would like to see. And we're always going to be trying to keep up with them. Um, it's never going to be a perfect product, and uh, but we're we're striving to keep up with the, with the demand, essentially. Because, um, I mean, I can see at some point where we, uh, based on the very diverse, we have a, an API that's maybe specific to agriculture or uh, an API that's specific to forestry or an API that's specific to any number of the uh, dozens and dozens of industries out there. Um, and, you know, we, have, we could have a, a team that's focused on developing uh, that API for that specific vertical or that industry. Um, and that uh, can, you know, grow infinitely. Um, so I, I, yeah, I, I definitely don't see us uh, uh, being content or stopping uh, anytime in the future. Yeah, well, access to information, especially from uh, observations made um, of Earth, I think is really important to not only the growth of society here on Earth, but also the growth of the space industry in general. So um, I'm really excited for, for what Skywatch is doing. I'm really um, excited to hear more about your development. Um, for our listeners, where can they learn more about Skywatch? Um, yeah, so you can go directly to our website, skywatch.co, um, and it has all the information uh, about our, our about the API. It also has a sign-up form there where you can uh, sign up for the API and 
and uh, someone from the team will be in touch uh, and provide you access. Um, and if you're even interested, or we, we also provide a list of data sources that are currently featured on the API, uh, but if you, if you don't see something that uh, is there um, and that you'd like to have available on the API, we also have a, a, request, like a data request form where you could submit uh, ideas of data sets that you would like um, and uh, we'd, we'd add it to the list. And uh, as soon as that's available, we'd inform you. And then uh, if you're interested at that point, give you access to the API and off you go. Um, so that, that's probably the easiest way. Um, there's also a contact us form. Happy to to uh, chat with anyone who has, has questions about that, uh, about anything uh, about the API or Skywatch in general. Um, and uh, yeah, th those are probably the best ways to do it. Uh, we also have a... A newsletter available of uh, it's called This Week in Space. Um, if you wanna, if you wanna keep on top of the latest space news, uh, it's something that uh, we've instituted uh, early on from our existence and is carried forward. And I think we have uh, over 800 people on our newsletter at the moment. So uh, something cool, a nice little treat for your inbox every Wednesday if you're interested in that as well. Uh, so a few different ways to interact with us. Um, uh, but uh, definitely uh, excited to see uh, new uh, new users come aboard. All right, we've been speaking with Dexter Jacula, the COO of Skywatch. Uh, thanks a lot for joining us today, Dexter. Thanks so much, guys. Appreciate it. Well, that's it for this week. Thanks a lot for listening to SpexCast, a podcast about the science and technology of space exploration. Uh, just one comment. Uh, we have been featuring a lot of interviews lately with startups and other companies. We are not accepting anything in return from them. We just really um, are impressed and, and really want to share the cool stories that these people have to tell. If you want to get in touch with the show, you can email us at specscast at gmail.com, tweet to us at RITSpecs, or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash RITSpecs. Our parent organization, RIT Space Exploration, or SPECS, has a brand new website too. It's called specs.rit.edu. That's spex.rit.edu. It was built by our very own SPECS members. They did an awesome job, so definitely check it out. Speaking of great people, our intro music is provided by Nelson Scott. He's releasing a new single this Wednesday, November 30th. It'll be available on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, and pretty much everywhere else that releases music. Uh, it's called Like Hey. Just look up Nelson Scott. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time on SpexCast. Just want to say, I think this is super cool. <laughs> um, <laughs>